Hey, my name is Fernie, and I want to welcome you to this week's episode of the Mid-City Church Sermon Cast. We're going to finish our, our four-part series today on measuring our own success and our own metrics. And my hope is that you have learned through these next through these last couple of weeks just that, 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 that uh, measuring ourselves is about much more than just numbers or how much we produce. So today, as we close it off, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share about what I think is the biggest measurement of success for all of us. Regardless of your past, regardless who you are, I hope that this message is helpful for you. So you ready? Let's go. So there's some people in my past that if I told them where I am today and that I'm a pastor, they would probably be completely shocked. Now, there are people who have seen me at my darkest uh, seasons in my life, and, and that's the only version of me that they know. They, they know the side of me where I don't trust any, where uh, I didn't trust anyone. They know the side of me when I was constantly defensive. They know a side of me in which I easily got angry. They know a side of me that was very emotional and uh, I started a lot of drama. They know a side of me that I worked really hard to leave behind thanks to the help of anxiety and depression medicine and the many amazing counselors, pastors, friends, and so many others who supported me along the way. And despite having left that version of myself behind, subconsciously, I still worry that who I used to be will someday discredit what God has done through me today. Let me give you an example of what I mean. Years ago, when we first started dreaming about Mid-City Church uh, and what it would become, a mentor of mine asked me to drive him around Mid-City so he could see the area and pray for us. And as we were driving, he kept asking me what my dreams uh, and visions were for us. And over and over again, I kept saying uh, very minuscule dreams. I said things like, well, I hope we can build a core group and I hope we can meet some of our neighbors. And my favorite was, I just hope people show up. Now, after about an hour of me going on and on like this, he looked at me and said, why are you so afraid of imagining God doing great things through you all? While that was one of the deepest questions I've ever been asked, it was also one of the easiest questions to answer. I explained to him that I have a past that I'm not too proud of, and that success scares me because it just means that there is a greater chance that people will come to know who I used to be. Now, isn't that such a sad statement? I mean, who limits their success because of their past? If anything, the louder narrative in our lives should not be who I used to be, but rather who I have become. This is the fourth metric we can use to measure our own personal effectiveness in this world. Can we tell the story of the change that God has done in our lives? And to be quite honest, for me, this is the most important metric of success. In the end, what matters is not how much money we made, how many possessions we had, how many trips we went on, what kind of car we drove, or even what kind of clothes we wore. At the end of the day, our true metric of success, especially as Christians, is our ability to look back and recognize what God has done in our lives as our relationship with, with Him grows deeper every single day. 
Now, in the United Methodist Church, which is the church that we are a part of, we know this as a journey towards Christian perfection. And this is just a fancy way of saying that uh, once we invite God into our lives, God begins to move in us in such a way that we begin to imitate Jesus more and more until someday we can be perfect as Jesus was. Now, perhaps the most important thing about moving on towards Christian perfection is that it's a journey. You don't wake up one day, give your life to God, and all of a sudden you're perfect. That's just not how life works. Moving towards Christian perfection is about deepening your relationship with God a little bit more every single day. And in doing so, you begin to imitate Jesus more and more and more. Now, let me give you an example of what this looks like. But before we jump into scripture, I want to introduce you to a person in the Bible who you might or might not already be familiar with. It's a guy named Paul. Now, if you don't know anything about Paul, then let me give you a quick rundown. So first things first, Paul was, one of the, was not one of the original disciples. In fact, if you read through the Gospels, at no point is Paul mentioned as being a disciple. The first time we encounter Paul is actually in Acts chapter 7, when this guy named Stephen was being stoned to death for preaching about Jesus. And at this point, Paul isn't even that important yet. Scripture simply tells us that uh, he was a young man, that there was a young man named Paul who stood there taking care of people's coats as the crowd stoned Stephen to death. Another thing that we need to know about Paul is that he is attributed with writing 13 of the 27 books in the New Testament. So basically, open up your Bible somewhere in the New Testament, other than the Gospels, and there's a very good chance that you will be reading something attributed to him. But perhaps the biggest reason Paul is important is because many people today consider Paul as one of the most important church planters. See, a huge part of his ministry was to go out to the Gentile people, and Gentiles are non-Jewish people, and he would go out to them and teach them the good news of Jesus. He would help them start their church community, he would raise up leaders, and then he would move on to the next town or the next place. And this is important because the early church was mainly focused on reaching Jewish people. But Paul felt called by God to go to areas and preach the gospel to people who were not Jewish. Because of Paul, the church reached people that it otherwise would not have, including all of us today. But it wasn't always this way. Paul's life wasn't always this, quote-unquote, good. At one point, Paul was uh, trying to stop the growth of the early church and trying to sabotage it every chance he could. So I want you to listen to Acts chapter 22, verses 3 to 21. And I have to warn you, it's long, so just stick with me. So Paul says, I am a Jew born in Tarsus in Cilicia, but raised in this city. Under Gamaliel's instruction, I was trained in the strict interpretation of our ancestral law. I am passionately loyal to God, just like you who are gathered here today. I harassed those who followed this way to their death, arresting and delivering both men and women into prison. The high priest and the whole Jerusalem council can testify about me. I received letters from them addressed to our associates in Damascus, then went there to bring those who were arrested to Jerusalem so they could be punished. During that journey, about noon, as I approached Damascus, suddenly a bright light from heaven encircled me. I fell to the ground and heard a voice asking me, Saul, Saul, why are you harassing me? Other interpretations use the word uh, persecuting me. Paul answered, Who are you, Lord? I am Jesus the Nazarene, whom you are harassing, he replied. My traveling companions saw the light, but they didn't hear the voice of the one who spoke to me. And so I asked, What should I do, Lord? Get up, the Lord replied, and go to Damascus. There you will be told everything you have been appointed to do. 
I couldn't see because of the brightness of that light, so my companions led me by the hand into Damascus. Now, there was a certain man named Ananias. According to the standards of the law, he was a pious man who enjoyed the respect of all the Jews living there. He came and stood beside me. Brother Paul, receive your sight, he said, and instantly I regained my sight and I could see him. He said, the God of our ancestors has selected you to know his will, to see the righteous one and to hear his voice. You will be his witness to everyone concerning what you have seen and heard. What are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, and wash away your sins as you call on his name. When I returned to Jerusalem and was praying in the temple, I had a visionary experience. I saw the Lord speaking to me, hurry, he said, leave Jerusalem at once because they won't accept your testimony about me. I responded, Lord, these people know I used to go from one synagogue to the next, beating those who believe in you and throwing them into prison. When Stephen, your witness, was being killed, I stood there giving my approval, even watching the clothes that belonged to those who were killing him. Then the Lord said to me, go, I will send you far away to the Gentiles. Did you catch what's happening here? Paul, this great leader who helped build the church, who spread the gospel to outsiders, who raised so many leaders and planted so many churches, and is considered one of the pillars of Christianity. He is standing before this crowd telling the story of his life, and he tells a story that probably surprised some of the people there. Paul says, I used to persecute and harass people to death. I used to arrest them and throw them into prison. I used to beat them for believing in Jesus. I, he says, I even stood idly by as Stephen, who was a leader in the church, was stoned to death. Can you imagine what that moment must have been like for some of the people in the crowd listening to him? I have no doubt that there were people in the crowd who knew nothing about Paul's past and were surprised to hear him say these things. People who looked up to Paul and respected Paul and maybe even put him on a pedestal. I mean, can you imagine what they must have felt like in that moment as Paul revealed his past to them? Have you ever looked up to someone? Have you ever admired someone and respected them and then all of a sudden you find out something about their past that leaves you questioning everything about them? I don't know if you watch HGTV, but my wife Susie and I, we love to watch this home renovation show called Hometown. And I would even say our daughter Abby loves to watch it, even though she's only 13 weeks old right now. But uh, when I say we love to watch it, I really mean that I love to watch it, which means it's always on at our house. It's either that or sports, always. Now, if you've never seen this show, it's about a couple named Ben and Aaron Napier who live in Laurel, Mississippi. Basically, they help people find an affordable, usually rundown home in Laurel, and then they renovate it. And the houses are beautiful. I don't think I've ever seen one that I didn't like. But the houses are just part of what makes the show so great. My favorite part is watching Ben and Aaron interact in the show. They support each other. They solve problems together. They laugh together. They work hard together. And Ben tells some of the cheesiest dad jokes ever, which now that I'm a dad, I guess I have to start writing those jokes down. Anyway, we love this show so much that before Abby, our daughter, was born, we decided to take a baby moon to none other than Laurel, Mississippi, because we wanted to explore this town and get to see the sights for ourselves and maybe even run into Ben and Aaron. But I have to tell you, deep down, I was really hesitant about the possibility of running into them. I was afraid that they would be completely different in person. I was afraid that they would be standoffish and not as connected to each other as the show makes them out to be. And worst of all, that Ben's dad jokes weren't original. Now, look, I know this is a silly example, but just think about it. 
it can turn our lives completely upside down to find that someone isn't the person we thought they were, right? I mean, let me, let me say that one more time because I wanted to sink in. It can turn our lives completely upside down to find that someone isn't the person we thought they were. I feel like for some of the people in the crowd, their lives were turned around that day when they learned about Paul's past. They knew his story at that moment, but they didn't know his past. I can imagine them standing there like, he did what? You know, I think it's because of reactions like this that we tend to hide our shortcomings and our faults. We tend to try and forget about what we've done and and, and we try to leave the past in the past. Unlike Paul, we try very hard to not let people find out who we used to be or what we used to do. But what if I told you that owning your past struggles and shortcomings and failures is actually proof of success and not failure? What if I told you that owning who you used to be can actually be more constructive to those around you than you can even begin to imagine? Because you see, when we look back and own our past and then look at the present, we can see just how much we have grown and how far we have come, all thanks to the work that God is doing in our lives. And in my opinion, there is no greater proof of success than telling your story, your full story. See, you can have the nicest house, the best job, multiple cars, be talented at something special. You can have all the degrees, receive all the promotions at work. You can even have a great retirement plan. But none of these uh, quote-unquote measures of success compared to the power that your life story can tell. Look, the parts of my life that I tried to hide for so long were my struggles with anxiety. And eventually, I tried, I really tried hard to uh, hide my need for medication to balance that anxiety. I tried to hide all of the anger I had inside after my parents' divorce. I tried to hide my heartbreak that had piled up after multiple failed relationships. I tried to hide the fact that I pushed people away, many times even causing emotional pain as I did. I tried to hide the fact that many nights I would cry myself to sleep because I couldn't get over the death of my aunt. I tried to hide this and so much more because what would people think if they found out that I, a pastor, went through such a dark season of life and made some of my biggest regrets ever. There's shame in thinking in that way. But I'm here to tell you, actually to challenge you, to own your past, own your story. Because in that story, there is no shame. See, when when we own our own story and share it, regardless of what that story has been like, and then we look at how far we have come, What really happens is that we give God the glory for the transformation that he has done in our lives. It's when we own our past and then celebrate what God has done in our lives that we can boldly proclaim these words. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Friends, hear me say this. If you're listening to this today, thinking to yourself that you could never let anyone in on who you used to be and what you used to do, my challenge for you is this. Look around your life today and find hope in the person whom God has transformed you into. The growth you see gives you the assurance that you have lived a successful life and I know will inspire others to do the same. Now, maybe some of you are sitting here still in the midst of the mess of your life. 
Maybe you're looking around your life and you're thinking, Fernie, I'm still lost and I'm still blind and I'm still a wretch. If that's you, hear me say this. God has the power to redeem any story, even yours. Literally, there is nothing you can do that is unredeemable for God. That is how big God's love for you is. So, if you feel like you're in the middle of the mess, I urge you, turn to God. Invite Him into your life and see what He can do even with a wretch like us. Now look, I don't think there is any greater measure of success than to be able to move towards a better version of ourselves every single day. There is no greater measure of success than looking at who we used to be and eagerly proclaim what God has done in our lives today. I pray that you will allow yourselves to experience that joy today, tomorrow, and every day. May it be so. Amen. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Mid-City Church Sermoncast. If you would like to dive deeper into today's topic, visit midcity.church slash sermoncast to find a home sheet that goes along with this message. On the home sheet, you will find scriptures, questions to wrestle with, and a challenge that goes along with this sermoncast. If this has been a helpful resource to help you grow in your faith, we want to invite you to support our ministry here at Mid-City Church by giving today. To give, text the word GIVE, G-I-V-E, to the number 225-307-0662. Thanks and see you next week.